Okay, so for everyone here, welcome. It's Friday, March 31st, 2023, uh, digital meetup number 149. There's a poll. If you see where it says polls at the bottom of your screen, click on the poll. Um, it says, have you heard of air supply? That's the poll. <laughs> yes or no? That's all we want to know. Very simple. Have you heard of air supply? Yes <laughs> or no? How's it looking, Jess? Oh, let me look. Let me look. Why do you ask, Jason? Oh, yes. Lots. Oh, look at all these. Look at all the results pouring in. <laughs> we have too many people multitasking. Go to your keyboard really quick and tell us if you know air supply. Out of So right now it's it's unanimous. <laughs> Everybody knows air supply. It's very cool. Like I, I didn't think everyone I didn't think everyone would. Um, so you're why, Jason. Yes. Oh, yeah. Why? <laughs> Why would we play that song? So, well, we're going to talk. Mark, how can, Mark I, can see, I can see Mark singing that. So, you, um, Mark. Yeah, Mark would be amazing. Mark. He'd be amazing playing it at the piano, too. Um, yep. uh, Mark Nagel, not Mark. Yes, Mark Nagel on the ivories. So, um, yeah. So, how's your week? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about your supply in a second. But, uh, how's your week? My week was awesome. I was on the road this week. Uh, not only who's heard of air supply, who knows Philadelphia is a like crazy underrated city. What a cool city. I kind of forgot. It's been ages since I've been there. Uh, I was at I Am Phenom, which is Phenom's event. Uh, first time back post-COVID. And they absolutely killed it. I heard this guy, Keynote, Sophie Ooh, Ball. Loonshot. Is that a Minnesota book about loons? I know it should be. Yeah. How to nurture crazy ideas that win wars, cure diseases, and transform industries. I learned so much from that guy in 20 minutes. Uh, really, really good. Yeah, great food town. I Oh my gosh, Philadelphia was amazing. I saw you went for a run too. You posted some pictures that you went for a run. Was it, it was like a tiny bit warmer than Minneapolis and it should be spring. Somebody tell Minneapolis. So yes, I've taken my game back outside. It's run, It's officially running season. I called it this week. Uh, it was good running in Philadelphia. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I'll talk about my week in a second, but um, for those of you, we always like to get people warmed up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, wow. Up to 3,136 people. Awesome. So um we do this meetup every Friday. Uh, I'd love for you in the chat to say, if you're new, let us know. Uh, just say, yes, I'm new. Um, and let us know where you're from. Put your LinkedIn addresses in the chat, please, so everyone can connect in the community like we always do. Um, and we'll go ahead and get started in a second once we start to see some people start interacting uh, here. I'm going to go back to the poll. Oh, still unanimous. Everyone's heard of Air Supply. So... Um, what is that? Yeah, what is, is that a sports question? Yeah. See, I don't mm -hmm. even know what that means. Um, cats or genos. Genos. That must be. Oh, that's the. Oh, that's those are the, the Philly cheesesteaks. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Uh, I didn't get outside the event. You, you need to ask Steve Bose and Trish McFarlane which one. They did a test. Uh, we did serve. Like, that was lunch one day. Uh, Philly cheesesteaks. And. Uh, I, I can't really do cheese sauce like that, but it was good. <laughs> Isn't it cheese whiz? It is cheese whiz. Yeah. Why do you say cheese sauce? It's like cheese whiz. Cheese whiz. I didn't know yeah. cheese whiz was a brand. 
I think it is. Like, I think cheese whiz is like a really popular thing. Um, yeah, so I was at Phenom also uh, for one of the days, which was a great event. Like I said, the analyst event I put on my LinkedIn. I did a couple of videos on my LinkedIn for those of you that don't follow my LinkedIn. Um, did a blog post there, which was uh, was good. And or I don't know if the blog post was good, but the event was good. Uh, really impressed with their technology, the where they've come from a, a customer satisfaction standpoint and really everything they're building out from a talent experience standpoint. So highly recommend you take a look at them. Um, also, some of you, there's a press release today about their generative AI uh, component which is really exciting to continue to see as well. And uh, we'll, we'll, I'll talk about generative AI in a second. So had a great time there, then went to Syracuse, New York. Uh, my first time in Syracuse, great, great town. Um, on my continuing tour with my son, looking at colleges and universities. So it was really, really, imp oh, I lost, I had my orange man somewhere around here, um, was really, really impressed with uh, Syracuse. Their amazing sports analytics, sports management, sports science exercise science school. Um, so besides the fact it was cold and besides the fact that they start with, it does get white here because we get like a hundred inches of snow a year. Um, really, really impressed with uh, Syracuse and the school. And the reason that we did air supply on the way <laughs> is because on my flight uh on my flight to syracuse uh hold on one second I gotta oh, show God. you this picture if i can on my flight to oh i can't even show the picture jess pull it up on your phone then yeah it's not gonna let me share it i have the opportunity to sit next to uh the gentleman who was the guitarist from Air Supply. Uh, and I'll show you the picture here in a second, who I was, um, of course, kind of fanboy over, uh, even though I didn't know who it was. <laughs> so I had to ask who it was. Uh, so here is the picture of he and I, I love uh, it. sitting on the plane. Uh, yes, Lisa, we talk about cheesesteak, <laughs> came in Philadelphia. And here is Russell and I, or Graham, excuse me, Graham and I from, from Air Supply. So they were on the way to Philadelphia to play uh, last night and uh, had a great, great conversation with him. Really cool guy, uh, 72 years old, loves everything about what he does and just got me uh, yes. <laughs> Kenny Rogers. <laughs> it looked like Kenny Rogers, yes. Yeah, Another legend. Yeah, it was not Kenny Rogers though, but uh, had a great, great conversation. And I just love, love, love hearing someone love what they do. So uh, um, I shared him with him the story about my first girlfriend and my first kiss and, uh, <laughs> to air supply. And, you know, anyway, all that stuff. When so, you're air supply, you probably get a lot of those stories. <laughs> oh, Maureen, you didn't see the picture. Now, just for you, I'm going to show you the picture again. Uh, sorry, this is like we're way off. Sarah, track. I know you're waiting in the wings. Get your air supply story ready. <laughs> right there. Right there, Maureen. That's there's the picture. So, uh, yeah, that does look like Kenny Rogers now that you say it. Oh, yes, he did pass away. And uh, that is uh, Graham's wife right there next behind him in the picture as well, oh which was a great, great, uh, great conversation. So, uh, yes, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Leah says it'll be great to be on a fly on the wall. I'm not sure if it's because of that conversation or talking about my girlfriend, but uh, right. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He told his band <laughs> to for sure. He's for showing sure. at his concert. He pulled up a picture and said, "You guys, I sat next to Jason Averbook on a plane." <laughs> yeah. So, so you guys, I'm sorry, we got a little off track here. Yes. So the uh, a couple other things. We always start these meetups with a "How are you?" The most important question we can ask in the world to our colleagues, to our humans, to our friends, to our family, and we answer with green, yellow, red. So let us know in the chat. Green great today yellow so so red not so good once again i'll say it like i've been saying it for 149 episodes the reason we do this is to express ourselves as to how we are today but also to let others know how we are so if we do need help or we do need to talk to someone about something that we're we're building a community here and we continue to build a community here of people that will talk to each other. So not all 3,100 people ever say where they are. Steve, it's last day on a job. Steve, uh -huh. I sent an email too. I, I don't know if you meant that you're actually at the lake today or not in the ice hole, but uh, Jason's yellow tending towards green. Leia is spring break vacation. I wonder where, Leia, where are you going? Tell us where you're going. Uh, green, green, yellow, some yellows. Yeah. Um, you know, for those of you that all, for, for those of you that are yellow, um, if you love, uh, if you want to chat about anything, please, uh, please reach out or please put your LinkedIn address there and have people uh, and, and you guys reach out to each other. Um, you know, the other thing that I wanted to just talk about really quickly before we bring our guest on, well, actually two quick things. Um, the first is, is that today we are launching something new um, and you see the call to action right underneath Jess's uh lumberjack shirt there <laughs> that's called the uh, HR tech confidence check. And one of the things that's a new offering that we're going to be doing from Mercer LeapGen is really starting to poll and do a lot more research with the industry to share back with you all about how people are feeling. Back to that F word, how people are feeling. So how are people feeling about the HR tech space today? And we've built this survey with a lot of intentionality around it. So the survey, it, once again, you can see the green link there. You'll see a lot about this next week as we start to publish it, publicize it outside of this community. Um, but it's built for both vendors and, and consultants, as well as enterprises. So how you answer the question, if you're an enterprise, you'll be drafted towards one set. And if you're a vendor, you'll be drafted towards another set. And they will not, they'll be published openly, Mark. Um, they'll be published at Unleash. Um, it's not a subscription. And really the goal is, is to, I'm so glad you like the idea, Mark. The goal is to get a pulse. There's a lot of surveys done once a year, but there's not a lot of surveys that are really done in a moment in time to truly say, hey, based on how you're feeling, how do you see spending? How do you see adoption? How do you see different, uh, different components of HR technology either increasing or decreasing from spend at a given point in time. So once again, we'll use our community here to, to talk about those results as well on a go forward basis. Um, please click on the green link, please share it as well, because the more people that, that do it, the better the data is, the more people that do it, the better the data is. That was really, really uh, well said, but you know what I'm trying to say. And uh, yes, Mark, exactly. That is exactly my thinking. And you are always on the same page as me, Mark. Like, I just want to give you a kiss right now. Um, we don't do enough of pulsing, just like we need, don't do enough performance reviews frequently. So I'm so excited to get this out to the community. 
Um, you know, our goal is to have a thousand responses in the next couple of weeks. So we've got some really good data to share by region. Um, and we've got the base to do it as part of this community as well. So thank you guys for uh, participating. The other thing that's really important, and then I promise you we'll get on to our, our guest today, is for anyone going to Unleash, last week I said that we were going to Unleash as an event in Las Vegas, the 25th and 20th. <laughs> yes, Mark, I won't give you a kiss. Sorry. But it, I love how you said that. Um, the 25th and 26th of April in Las Vegas is Unleash. Some of you said you're going. We'll change the call to action button here to the evite to our event. Um, so we are doing an event. Uh, sorry, Lisa, that you're not going to be there. But what you're going to miss is our Mercer Leap Gen After Dark party. Um, and the After Dark party is going to be, guess what it is, Jess? You you probably know what it is, right? Or do you, you know? Your air supply. No, 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 no. But I did listen to Air Supply while I was doing this once. Okay. That? Wow. That sounds that sounds weird. <laughs> uh, it's a bowling party, you guys. Woo! Party. So uh, for anyone going to Unleash, um, uh, click on that green bar there. And uh, be sure to uh, get yourself added to the invite list to the uh, Mercer Leap Gen After Dark event. It's going to be at uh, Brooklyn Lanes. Brooklyn uh, Bowl. Brooklyn Bowl, sorry, which is not <laughs> far from uh, from the event. And uh doesn't interfere with any of the other stuff going on at Unleash. So uh, can't wait to see you there. And I uh, hope, hope I can get to bowl with some of the people on here as well. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. So, We'll keep flashing those links. Um, how many turkeys have you bowled? Yes, I've bowled a lot of turkeys. Uh, oh, cool. Megan's going to be there. Awesome. Uh, yeah, let it, in, just in the chat, let us know if you're going to be there too, just so we can uh, get excited. Um, I'm really, really excited to, uh, to see everyone live in Las Vegas in a few weeks if you're going to uh, be there. And by the way, if you're not going to be there, if you still are interested in passes, reach out. Um, because we still do have some passes uh, to the event, not to the party, the party you can come to any time, but we still have to the, the some passes to the event as well. So uh, let us know. Whew, that was a lot of stuff. Um, for those yellows, I, I want people to reach out to you. So please put your interested, just register, Brad, interest. Oh, you're interested in the pass. Um, drop a note. Um, who should I drop a note to? <laughs> Just uh, drop me a note. I'll put my email, my new email address in here, and I'll we'll get you a pass um, if you if you want to. Um, so let's bring on our guest. Sorry, Jess, I'm a little all over the board today. Sorry, I just you got have a lot to cover. Can, I just got off a plane. Can you tell? Yes. Uh, so March 31st, episode number 149 of the Digital Meetup, and it's March 31st. And March 31st is a special day. Therefore, we really wanted to make sure we had a special guest for today. And Jess, while I invite our guest on, I'll let you uh, do a little preview. Yes, 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 absolutely. It is March 31st, so end of the quarter, end of March. Again, somebody please send a memo to Minneapolis. We could use spring around this time. Does anybody know what else? You can put it in the chat. What else March 31st is? It is trans, I'm just going to tell you, it's Transgender Day of Visibility. Uh, not only that, I'm going to throw a link in the chat. Not only that, 
A press release dropped today announcing Sarah Reynolds as the new chief marketing officer at an HR tech solution a lot of us know and love, which is, uh, hi, Bob. Tell us if you use Bob as a solution. So we're celebrating Sarah Reynolds today for both of those reasons, actually. We're about to congratulate her. Uh, I'm sorry, congratulate them on their news, their new gig at Hi Bob, which is incredibly exciting. And Sarah is also going to share with, share with us a little bit about Transgender Day of Visibility. And there is Sarah. Welcome, welcome. Hi, Thanks, Sarah. Congrats. The press release is incredible. I got to drop this link. I read it this morning. Thank Sarah, you. How are you? I, I am so well. I'm green today and grateful uh, to be here, grateful to be visible on an exciting uh, International Transgender Day of Visibility. I'm um, really grateful to my team for their hard work on our press release. Uh, I also wrote a blog that you can find on the Hi Bob website um, talking a little bit about why I am so excited to be joining Hi Bob as a company. Uh, and I, I'm really, really grateful to the support of my team and of the extended Hi Bob Village uh, for all of the kind words that they have reached out to share today. Absolutely. Before we start, can I ask you if you know of Air Supply and if you have any stories, <laughs> any stories that you'd like to share? I sure do know of Air Supply. Um, I, I was one of the many folks voting yes. Uh, I love uh, All Out of Love uh, as a song. Uh, I certainly remember, like, it's been in some recent movies. Like, it's enjoyed a bit of a renaissance. So um, I think it was in, like, either the first Deadpool or the second Deadpool. Um, but Air Supply has other songs. Uh, and, um, like... I, I don't know, for some reason, like making love out of nothing at all will always remind me of um, the the Brad and Angelina movie, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, because it's like- oh, that's a, right. It's in like a car chase scene. I don't, it's not like a remarkable movie or really a remarkable use of the song, but for some reason it just, it sticks out in my mind. Well, guess what? That's going to be your walk off song. Uh, <laughs> you get that queued up for me? <laughs> yes, I do. I'm ready in about 30 minutes. So uh, yes. Awesome. Well, congrats. I know you joined Hi Bob. Not today. We dropped the press release today. I say we as a collective community because I've been waiting to see this come out. Uh, but you've been there now for about a month working and digging in. But the press release came today. You shared your blog with your story about why you joined. You have, and by the way, kick ass marketer. So you have an incredible pedigree you bring to Hi Bob. Uh, which is a really cool, exciting solution. I'm glad to see that, that that you've got fresh, you're bringing in fresh voice, fresh perspective, but also really incredible storytelling experience because I think Hi Bob needs that and deserves that. So like share a little bit, if you would, about your journey to Hi Bob. Yeah. Um, if we go like all the way back, uh, I always tell people I was someone who didn't know what they wanted to be when they grew up. Um, I come from like a STEM heavy family. Uh, my dad's an electrical engineer. My mom went to MIT for bio. My sister is a veterinarian. And I did a degree in history and dead languages. Uh, and they were really worried that I was like never going to get out of the basement. Um, and then, you know, I, I sort of was like, throw that away. Um, I think that I want to go to culinary school. I love to cook. It's like the number one thing that you will find me doing when I am not uh, working or thinking about the HR market in my free time. Um, but I, I thought I wanted to do it as a career. And I, I worked in the field for a little while, but ultimately it didn't work out. 
I ended up in marketing kind of by accident, working in the Boston tech space. Um, and uh, it's been a great journey. I've had the opportunity to work um, a lot of different vendors in the HR space, you know, Kronos, now UKG, um, salary.com, which is employee uh, compensation data software and analytics. Um, I also did uh, some time at a company called Udacity, which is digital upskilling. Um, and then I spent uh, a three-year portion of my career sort of pivoting into industrial software. And I got to mm-hmm. learn from the folks at um, PTC, which is a Boston-based uh, Fortune 500 company, uh, all about you know marketing to manufacturers and talking to you know not just their HR teams, but their operations teams, their engineers, their designers, you know everybody who works uh, in that space about the unique challenges of that industry. So I've had the great opportunity to learn a lot. One of the things I've learned uh, is that I really am obsessed with the HR market. One of my friends made the comment that me going to Hi Bob was um, like, I'm going to do HR for real again, uh, which I am so excited about. Um, and, you know, I, I, like I said, I couldn't be more grateful to be working at the organization, thinking about all the topics that I care deeply about personally, and also working with a team that understands the real value of, um, you know, diverse leadership. I love it. One of the things I think that's really interesting, Sarah, is... Wow, Mark did manufacturing tech and HR tech too. Oh, small world, Schneider Electric and GE, very cool. Yeah, so um, yeah, Mark's done everything. So <laughs> I was going to ask you about your cooking and what kind of food you like to cook. Well, I, yeah, answer that first. Sure. Um, so I spent some time living in Italy and um, I love Italian food. I'm also gluten-free, not by choice, but because I have a non-celiac allergy. So one of my like pet projects is uh, remaking gluten-free Italian food. Um, actually, Italy, fun fact, has like the highest rate of celiac disease per capita of oh, any country cool. in the world, probably because they eat so much bread and pasta, pasta. and delicious, yeah. yummy, gluteny foods. Right. Um, so they're exposed to it a lot. But, um, you know, not every cookbook obviously publishes their recipes in uh, in English and uh, in gluten-free alternatives. So um, I have a passion project like once a year, I make this, uh, this wacky uh, tortellini, meatball, meat sauce filled savory pie. Um, it's like a three-day <laughs> event, and I make it. Um, I make it during like the holiday, the the like Advent season, because uh, my my husband jokes that if I like make it more often than that, then that's like the, we're all going to be like very very sick. <laughs> like I'm giving him gout, kind of a thing. Um, he he, but it's it's delicious. It's like a it's like a 15th century recipe or something, you know, like oh that. My gosh. The original calls for you to like swap the water in your pie dough with wine and. And like there's like sweet custard that goes along with like tortellinis and meat sauce. It's a little weird for modern palates. So like I make a kind of more updated version and I make it all gluten free. But like I said, it's like a three day affair. What does a person have to do to get an invite to Advent? In your home? <laughs> would, you like to, would you like to join the growing list of people who, yes. who want to experience this, this sort of like cultural oddity in their life? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Uh, drive on by Lexington, Massachusetts, you know, sometime between Christmas and New Year's. I'll drop you a note. Um, you know, you, you were so kind to invite people to your 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 bowling meetup and I'll invite people to uh, to the birthplace of the American Revolution for some really interesting, like old school Italian food. Oh, oh my God. God. Ron wants the recipe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Sarah pu- puts out the recipe. <laughs> um, there, The recipe for the original um, sweet 
gluten version is in a book that I think is called Splendid Table. It's like recipes from Emilio Romagna in um, in Italy. There's lots of other recipes in that book that you would recognize a little bit more. So I highly recommend it. Um, but uh, I, I can find a link for you. It's it's unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Now Justin just said, I've had the pie. I can confirm it's amazing. They have had the pie. They are within the small group of people who do drive their butts to Lexington <laughs> during the Advent season to have the pie. So, so can confirm. Oh okay. my gosh. So hey, what, another thing, Sarah, that you mentioned uh, when you were talking about hi, Bob, is you used the word village. Yes. Um, and I don't know if that was just a, something that you used or if that's really what you use at hi, Bob as you call yourselves part of a village. I think we call ourselves part of a village. I've heard that term used by my coworkers to describe not just the people, the bobbers who work mm -hmm. at High Bob, um, but also our huge um, customer community. Uh, we have more than 3,000 customers. And um, we, we call our customer community actually hardcore HR. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I oh, love that. Oh. I love that because like HR for real, hardcore HR. Like I, I just, I love the idea that, you know, our, our folks are leading with the heart. Like I love, I love the HR market and I love HR people because our business is people. Like our, our, it's, it's what we think about. It's what we're here to do. It's what we're here to drive for our organizations. And it's so meaningful to me. Um, and I've had such great partners in this space um, that, you know, I, I just, I love interacting with our customers and, and my own internal HR business partners who are so fantastic. And uh, it's, uh, it's really, it's really, it's a nice, it's nice. And it's nice to be part of like a big family or a big village of people who are all thinking and caring and talking about the same topics. So Sarah, I already love Ty Bob. I think I fell in love even harder when they sat on your press release, key hire, big hire, industry hire. They sat on your press release to issue it today on Transgender Day of Visibility. What a gesture of love to you. I like, I, I literally could not love that more. So let me ask you this. One of the favorite questions I've ever been asked when I recorded a podcast with Katie Van Horn and Jackie Clayton, for those of you who love them, uh, was introduce yourselves to our audience, please, in the ways that you choose to identify. And that's how, and I had never been asked that question that way before. So if I could ask you the same question, if you could introduce yourself to the community, please, on trans, tra Transgender Day of Visibility, in the ways that you choose to be seen, would you do that for us? Sure. Um, so my name is Sarah Reynolds. Uh, my pronouns in English are they and them. Uh, I am Hi Bob's chief marketing officer, and I identify as a queer, disabled, non-binary person. Um, and not every non-binary person also identifies as transgender. I think the statistic is about 40% of us do. I do. So I also um, identify as trans. Thank you so much for doing that for us. And I love that this is a day of awareness and a day of recognition, a day to see and be seen. What does this day mean really to, to you or to all of us? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely about celebrating transgender people. It's about recognizing their contributions or our contributions to society. And it's also about raising awareness for the continuing and ongoing discrimination that we face worldwide. Um, the day, I think, is really special because it's a relatively new day in the calendar. Um, there was actually a trans woman who identified in, I believe, 2009, that the only day of recognition for the trans community was November 20th, which is 
Transgender Day of Remembrance. And that was really more about celebrating, but also mourning the folks we've lost to violence against the trans community. And she wanted an opportunity to celebrate the folks who are living and who are visible and who are out loud as themselves all day, every day, who we can recognize and celebrate and, you know, draw attention to not just the people, but also their, their top concerns. I think that's such a beautiful statement. And I think that visibility, you know, especially given everything that's going on in the world, uh, is so critically important on a day like today. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of comments coming in from the chat. I, I spoke with you earlier this week, Sarah, and I tried to, I always try to tell our guests what this community is like, and it's kind of hard to capture. I use the word human a lot. This is a very human space. This is, you know, this is where we have very real protected safe space sort of conversations, but we also like to normalize conversations. So we know how to go out and have them in the rest of our lives. So thanks so much for being here, number one, and, and helping us with, with this particular conversation. So it's interesting you're at HiBob, which is an HRIS, HCM, whatever modern terminology we're using these days, uh, software for the workforce. We kind of touched on this the other day when we chatted. HR software, I mean, the way we identify ourselves in the workplace is evolving, and thank God for that, right? The way we identify ourselves for HR software to know us and serve us is not quite evolving because that's still optional self-reported data. And then what our employers can or could do with that is another story. So I like I love for a bazillion reasons that you're the CMO at Highball, but just thinking about this from an HR software perspective, where are we at on that? Yeah. So this is so interesting to me because it really differs depending on like your lens from, you know, the geography where you're based um, or the compliance sort of aspect of the places where you have employees or you work. Um, but in, in general, right, there is the idea um, of your employees' gender identity and the other ways that they identify, right? And in the U.S., I think we're comfortable asking people to self-identify and we're comfortable with, you know, how to how to navigate the compliance landscape of storing that data. Um, we want to know in the U.S. Um, either because we are genuinely curious and we want to understand our employee populations or because we're trying to do some sort of EEOC reporting. We right. want to know things like um, what gender are you? What gender identity do you have? Um, we want to know things like uh, how old are you? We want to know things like your race or ethnicity. We want to know if you're a protected veteran. We want to know um, about your disability status. Um, and we're sort of comfortable, you know, we collect that data in systems like ATS systems to look at our recruiting funnels and understand, you know, the diversity of our recruiting funnels. And then we also collect it in HR, HCM, HRIS systems, whatever you call, you know, that backend work workhorse in your company, right? Um, but oftentimes we see a, a difference between like the data that we need or want to collect for EEOC reporting and the ways that our employee populations actually talk or the, the terms that they use to identify themselves. So um, to give you an example that's close to my heart, the EEOC, if you ask them about, you know, what gender options are in a dropdown uh, when, when you're asked about your gender, it's like male, female, prefer not to to say and right. for, prefer not to say when you do the reporting it's my understanding that they actually suggest to hr practitioners that they go like take a look at those people and make their best judgment yes not in favor of that <laughs> say that um, again. 
go look at them. Yeah, go 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 make an assumption about your employee based on the way that they look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because they want a complete data set. Like I understand that you know it's this is not like this is outdated, but it's not something that comes from a, a negative place. They are looking at it for from pay equity from a pay equity perspective. They want a complete data set. They don't want companies you know opting out of this reporting, right? Um, but from the way that we talk about our gender identities, it's a lot more complex than the traditional Western binary, right? Right. I would prefer to say but I cannot when my only other options are male and female. So, you know, we see our our clients and we give people the option to have an EEOC gender field that, you know, that, that corresponds with the compliance aspect of collecting people's information. But we also encourage people to self-identify. So, you know, do you identify as male, female, non-binary, two-spirit, gender queer, whatever the, the right terms are for you? Um, we also, you know, encourage people to self-identify and give us that information so that we can, you know, be more nuanced in the way that we think about, you know, whether it's like cutting employee engagement survey results by gender identity or by LGBTQIA plus status, um, or, you know, trying to understand what our recruiting funnel looks like when it comes to employees of different you know, demographic groups. We want to encourage people to self-identify. We do see a trend, though, of people who say, you know what, my employer doesn't need to know that about me. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, if we look worldwide, um, there's certainly a trend of people who don't feel comfortable collecting, storing, managing, or reporting that data, um, either to their employers or as HR uh, departments in, in global geos where they feel like it's it's uh, it's a difficult compliance landscape to navigate. Um, and so we do see, you know, lots of people who don't collect that data or employees who don't want to volunteer that data because they, they are of the opinion, like, why do you need to know what my innate gender identity is to be able to know that I'm a great employee and that I'm a top performer. So, you know, I think there's different, there's like different levels of this conversation and it, it can be really, it can be really influenced by the way that you see the world and you see your own sort of versions of identity. Mm-hmm. It is tricky because I would like to know how you're doing, how an employer or a brand I support is doing. Show me your women in leadership positions but that's tricky because I just said women when what I really mean is non-traditional or not the majority or the historic majority. So that's a really tricky sort of thing. And then there are employers who want that data for, for like truly well-intentioned reasons because they want to be able to offer accommodation, accessibility, diversity, support and empowerment groups, acceleration programs. They want to promote the underpromoted, represent the underrepresented. And you can't do that. We say this all the time, more broadly, you can't do much without data, without some information. And so that's, it just really feels a little bit tricky there because it is, it should be opt-in, optional, self-reported data, but it's data we really need if we're going to do experience right. Yeah, my friend Heather makes a good point in the chat that it can be scary to reveal that information, especially if you work in an environment that, you know, maybe doesn't have a great track record of treating trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming, LGBTQIA, people of color, you know, whatever intersectional lens of the identity um, sort of landscape, you know, it, it can be scary to self-identify that data. Um, I, I, uh, 
my husband is a huge, you know, champion of me and obviously of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. But even he, you know, he was applying to a job recently and he came into the kitchen and he was like, can you believe that they asked me if I was LGBTQIA plus on this job application? And I sort of said, babe, uh, you know, how else are they going to look at their recruiting funnel? They're asking you, you know, because they want to do the right work. They want to know, do we have a population in our recruiting funnel that represents the big, broad, diverse, beautiful world around us? And are we progressing people through the funnel? They want to know if there's an issue and they're not going to know that necessarily by looking at you, by talking to you about, you know, whatever position you're interviewing for. They they want to collect that data in a way that is, you know, anonymous and and is, but can be used, can be unpacked, you know, by somebody who's looking at that with a DEIB lens. And he was sort of like, oh, I hadn't really thought about that. I just thought about it as intrusive. Uh, I hadn't really thought about all the, all the good things you could do with that data. I was just concerned about all the scary discriminatory things you could do with that data. So I think, you know, even in my house, I think it was like a, it was a, a conversation of two people who were coming at, you know, a real passion for the subject matter in the same way, but from two very different lenses. That comes down to trust. We don't trust data collectors to do the right thing with our data. <laughs> no, but we how don't. incredible would it be if you indicate on any application or experience or UI that your that your pronouns are they them and the system starts talking to you in the pronouns that you prefer. Like how incredible would that be if they actually put good data to good use, right? Yep. Jason, yep. I'm sorry, did you have a question? No, what I was going to ask is, well, first, and, you know, John, I don't know if you saw John's note. I want to make sure I get to it. That yeah. said, as an autistic gay person, I talk to many people who are afraid to say their neurodiversity or general identity. Do you see that? Um, love your thoughts on that, Sarah. I definitely do. I have an invisible disability, and um, I... I can definitely tell you that even in something like an ATS system, I have gotten to the question, you know, do you identify as having a disability and paused? Because I don't, I don't want to, to the point about data collection and, and the nefarious ways in which it can be used. I don't want to give someone that information and have them hold it against me or have that be the reason that someone, you know, knocks me out of contention. I want to be known for being a great chief marketing officer who is hugely qualified to do their job and someone who identifies in this way, not someone who identifies in this way who happens to work in marketing. Like it's, it's, it's kind of a nuanced thing, right? But I, I know many people who are afraid to self-identify, whether it's, you know, in regards to neurodiversity, disability, LGBTQIA plus status, race, race or ethnicity, you know, religious status, you know, like it's something something that is maybe less obvious to their peers because they they don't want people to think of them differently. And for a very long time, to be honest, that was how I treated even my gender identity. I was afraid that by, you know, telling people the pronouns that I used in my personal life or by revealing to them that I was non-binary, that it would cause like a distraction away from my professional qualifications or even from the content of my character. Um, and it, it took me a really long time to, to sort of like reverse course on that and understand, you know, why, why for me personally, it was so like those things are intrinsically linked for me and I, I can't separate them the way that I was trying to. And it was creating, you know, it was creating like a lack of confidence and it was creating, it was creating noise in my own personal system. Uh, and it, it meant that I wanted to sort of like change and, and be more loud and open and vocal about the person that I am uh, across all of those different, you know, um, identity lines. 
you know, the comments in the chat for those people that listen to this in the podcast, I always feel bad because there's such, I, that's why I try to read them um, mm -hmm. because there's such great comments, but I just have to, Lisa just said, I know this is a safe space. So I have to admit, I have difficulty calling someone they, them, you know, years of untraining. You know, so go ahead, Sarah. Well, I have some, I have some tips for you. The first one is um, the singular they in English is actually older than the singular you. So um, it's really not that you have years of training to undo. It's that we're going back. Like we're, we're getting retro, 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 retro vintage mm -hmm. with it um, because the, the singular they has existed in English for a very long time. And mm -hmm. um, I think one thing that people find when they start doing this work is that they use the singular they a lot. Like when they're talking about someone whose gender they don't know um, and they use it comfortably, like even even people who protest against my singular they will will say I don't want to talk about you know like people non-binary people they blah 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 like it's, yeah. it's really funny um anyway uh, I think you know the best thing that I can tell you is it's all about repetition I always tell people I will not be offended if you get it wrong I am actually the person who gets it wrong the most um, I get the least amount of practice talking about myself in the third person uh, and gender is like really hard coded into the way societally that we're raised and conditioned so it can be hard to think about even yourself uh, in a different way. Um, I think, you know, my my family will tell you that they play on what we call hard mode, which means um, if you mess it up, you uh, you just quickly correct yourself and move on. But you do owe the person a dollar or a compliment. <gasps> so if you, like me, love gamification, um, I would suggest that you, whether it's a dollar or a compliment or some something else, I heard somebody say in the office the other day, take a shot. Um, but, you know, I, th I think that like you, there's ways of sort of like catching yourself and practicing the right pronouns for someone. And it's all about that repetition because the more that you do it, the easier it becomes. Okay, Sarah, <laughs> I owe you a compliment because I already tripped once. And tell me if you if you even caught it. I corrected myself pretty quickly. Like I, my, I'm of the school of thought. <laughs> if you trip, correct it. Like, like you just said, correct yourself and move on. It's, I, I, don't, I don't feel like it's offensive. I feel like it's more of a compliment to know that somebody is trying, right? Yeah. And paying attention. So just pay attention and make an effort. Uh, so I owe you a compliment. I kind of wish I was wearing your lipstick color with my shirt and oh. not my own. I really love that red. There you go. Thank you. It is, yeah, uh, it is... Yours isn't good, Jess. Like, it, I mean, that, <laughs> that, that really doesn't go with your shirt. Clashing is the new coordinating. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> oh, man. A true marketer here. We've got a true marketer in the house. Yes. What about your point of view? <laughs> yeah. um, there's two other. There's. Um, I don't know if you see Brad's comment. My daughter has a friend going by it, it's, which mm. is difficult to say out loud because of the dehumanizing object. Mm -hmm. You know what that says. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would he, say think about. Think about less about how you feel about it and, and think about the fact that that is what they want to be called, right? They don't feel dehumanized by choosing that. They're choosing that because that is the best representation of the way they feel about themselves without judgment, right? So so think about it less as like how you feel or how it makes you feel and center that person in the conversation. It's kind of like, it's not the same, but it is kind of like how 
folks in the uh, Latinx community in the United States, some of them feel very strongly that the right gender neutral term for members of this community is Latinx. Some mm -hmm. also feel really strongly that that is almost impossible to pronounce. Uh, and they would prefer Latino with an O at the end, which is a traditional mm -hmm. masculine ending, but is also used for groups of mixed gender. And so they say it's already inclusive. And I, I don't need to put an, an sort of a grammatical oddity on the end to be more inclusive. I'm not a member of that community. It's not my job to have an opinion about which one of those is right. It is my job, though, to remember which of my friends prefers which of them and try my best to use the term that they prefer when I'm talking to them about it. I love that. There's one other question that uh, came in in the question area from Leo, who always asks brilliant questions, by the way. Oh, my God. All this talk about lipstick, Jess. Like you. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Someone wants to know the brand. Someone wants to know. <laughs> it's a it's Fenty Beauty for me, in case that's helpful to Ooh, you. And the, the shade is called Uncensored. Oh, it's like this community. <laughs> okay, that's not the question, but uh, uh, the the question from Leo is Sarah. You are just wonderful. Well, this isn't a question statement. Sarah, you are just wonderful. What is your definition of trust? Ooh, Leo nails it again. Yes. We love Leo. That, that is a good um, question. I think there's another Brad said in the comment that like assuming uh, psychological innocence, I would say assuming good intention uh, mm -hmm. is, is like critical when someone makes a mistake because, you know, 90% of getting my pronouns right is like making a good faith effort. And I always assume good intention when somebody makes a mistake because it's just an opportunity to make sure that they, you know, they do the correction, we practice the right one and we sort of move on. I think for me, trust Trust is definitely earned. I am slow to deeply trust people, but that doesn't mean that I can't like assume good intentions in the way that I work with people or in the people that I meet in my life. Um, I think that trust is like deeper than that. And I think that it is something that over time you really have to earn and you always have to be like re earning because it's very easy to break trust. Trust kind of feels like something that like you know it when you see it, if you know that old adage. Um, but I, I think that, you know, for for me, whether we're talking about data collection or whatever, I think that sometimes giving the explanation of what you're doing with it or or giving a giving some some context to like why you're asking someone to trust you on a particular uh, particular issue can help them feel that like confidence and, and really make sure that they're assuming that good intent. Sarah, I have a question for you. <clears throat> it's day of visibility. Uh, and even if it wasn't, every day should be like that. Uh, you are an adult, you're a professional, you're a marketer, you're an articulate storyteller. So it's easier for you, perhaps, than most to come into a community like that, even though we've established guardrails, safe space, space of love, it's still easier for you than most to come in and talk about this. What can all of us do for those who aren't as articulate, practiced, visible, who may not know how to talk to the rest of us about what they need and want and how they're best seen? And I'm also thinking of little people. For those of us who have young people in our lives who might be going through some sort of identification process, uh, now or later, or you don't even have to be a, a, an adult, right? You can be a younger person. What can we do to sort of make this conversation safer for people who 
aren't as practiced in having it with us. Does that question make sense? Yeah. So you talked about like normalizing the conversation earlier. And for me, that's like the number one thing that you can do is make this a normal part of conversation. When I talk to people who have, you know, kids at home um, who regularly interface with like the younger generation, one of the things that always comes out of that conversation is like the kids are all right. Because for you know, the younger generation, like this is a conversation they're very comfortable having. They're very comfortable, um, like introducing themselves with their pronouns. They're comfortable asking about pronouns. They're comfortable navigating conversations about changes to identity. And they do it really gracefully. And it's kind of like not a big deal. And I really um, thank you for identifying me as an adult. You're very kind. Um, I, I yeah, very I was, much would I like to. Curious. I was curious about that <laughs> when she said that. I was like, that was interesting. I, I would very much like to like, you know, capture that um, ease that my, you know, friends or my friends' kids have in navigating that conversation. But I think that like not making it a big deal is kind of like a big win, whether you're interfacing with someone who's a, a member of a younger generation or an older generation or anything, because I think people, yeah. um, they tend to like call a lot of attention to it when it really, you know, doesn't require that attention. Um, yeah. If we navigate it, you know, sort of making it like a normal part of everyday life, you know, checking in with people um, when you meet someone for the first time, introducing yourself with your pronouns or asking them, you know, just like you would ask someone what their name is, or if they prefer like Mike or Michael, or if they, you know, how do they, pr they pronounce their name? How do they prefer it to be pronounced, right? You ask them what their pronouns are in English or the language that you're speaking, and you sail through the conversation fairly easily. Um, mm -hmm. I also, you know, I, I learned from someone who was a more recent graduate of university that one of the things they do is regularly check in with their friends on their pronouns and just make sure they're still using the right ones. You know, my my best friends dialed into this conversation today and uh, their child recently tried out a different set of pronouns for mm -hmm. a week and then went back. Great. No mm -hmm. big deal. We all did our best to roll with that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was sort of like graceful and, and to the best of our ability. And they, she decided to go back away from the they, them pronouns to she, her pronouns. So great. Awesome. Like normal. Okay. Whatever. If you don't make a big deal out of it, I think that it takes the pressure off and, you know, yeah. nobody's a perfect communicator. I certainly am not. Um, and I can tell you that the first couple of times I tried to talk to someone about my gender identity and the way I was feeling, all I did was sob and I was completely unintelligible. So I, you know, I think that like giving people the grace and the space to navigate those things and realizing that like they might not even have it all figured out or it might change for them down the line is like, mm -hmm. a, it's, it's really powerful uh, in sort of like normalizing that conversation. Yeah. So Sarah, I have a question. Um, and uh, once again, you know, I hope it's a good question. Um, <laughs> I always get nervous with my questions just for the record that you've never listened to this. Not before. just with you, Sarah, with everybody. With everyone. <laughs> So, like, when I look at your name on here, it says Sarah, they, them. And every time that I see that on LinkedIn or see that on someone's Zoom or see that, like, here, I always feel, A, first I question, you know, myself. Like, should I put my pronouns there? And I feel bad that I don't. Um, but then second of all, I always wonder what the people I'm talking to that do put their pronouns there, think of me, um, that I don't have mine there. And I'm sure other, I don't know if anyone else has ever felt this way, but I, I always feel like, am I doing something wrong or should I be doing this? And then I, even on LinkedIn, 
Some people will put them there. Some people will not. Um, like, how does it make you feel that I don't have mine there? Does it does it make you feel like I'm like not following along or that I'm old? Or Sarah, Before you answer, I'll add one quick precursor. I had a Zoom call with Sarah the other day. And because my Zoom settings uh, don't include that, Sarah just asked. She asked if she could please, if they could yes. confirm. Yes, if they asked if she, ah, could please <laughs> confirm my own pronouns. I owe you like three compliments. <laughs> or three shots or, or whatever. Shots. Yeah. <laughs> um, they asked what my pronouns were so that we had them for the conversation. Sarah, but please go ahead. It seems like other people have the same question. So I'm like, I feel good. Now I don't feel like I'm not alone. Yeah, I, I get this question probably more than any other. Um, uh, so what I say is I encourage you to take a step to normalize this part of the conversation and add them to things like your social media profiles or your Zoom display names. Um, mostly because it's helpful. Uh, like I, I certainly don't want to mispronounce your name or refer to you incorrectly. And I try not to make a judgment. You know, we, the way we assign pronouns in English subconsciously is like, I look at you and my brain without me even consciously thinking of it goes, okay, Jason, you look like you, he, him, like maybe like, okay. Um, and we do this without even thinking. And it's like a split second. Right. But what I have learned from being myself and meeting other people is that someone who's named Jason or someone who's named Sarah is just as likely to be a him, he, him, a she, her, a Zizim, as uh, like uh, they, them, as someone who is named anything else under the sun. And someone who looks like you is just as likely to have any pronouns as someone who looks like me. Um, and, you know, for me, I, I, I am by volunteering the information and by having like a little bit of a reminder up on the screen it helps to navigate the conversation. It means that I don't even even have to ask you when we join the Zoom for the first time. Some people find the ask uncomfortable. I I don't, but some people do, and and so um, you know it kind of it it almost prevents us from even having to ask. Uh, it just means that I I'm really concerned about you know getting to know you as you and the way that you identify and making sure that I am referring to you correctly. Um, for me, I encourage people, as I said, to add them to their email signature to their. Zoom display name because it's genuinely helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it really does. You know, we have a space in Bob where not only can you put your pronouns, Bob is Bob is Hi Bob's uh, HRIS system, platform. Um, yeah. yeah, platform um, where you can add your pronouns, but also the way you pronounce your name. We mm -hmm. all work in global businesses, and you've probably met someone who pronounces your name incorrectly or not in a way that you would, you know, usually pronounce it. And you, sometimes you don't even know who they're talking about. Um, I I sort of like use humor in situations. So somebody, sometimes when someone says she is going to do something, I'm like, who, who, <laughs> like, she sounds great. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but, but I think, you know, I think, I think it's about your comfort level. Right. And, and I never force people to do that. Like I would never yeah. say to my team or my family member, you know, I need you to, to add them there because some people don't feel comfortable. Right. You know, they're, maybe they're not sure about what their pronouns are. Um, and they would prefer that you, you make that subconscious assumption so that, so that they don't have to navigate a conversation in yeah. which they feel they're even misgendering or misrepresenting themselves yeah. to fit in in society. So, you know, it, it's totally optional. I just think it's genuinely helpful. Yeah. And Sarah, I mean, you've helped me so much. And um, like the uh, Jason just asked me, another Jason asked me, if you've thought about this, why haven't you added them? 
just curious what's holding you back. It's a great question, Jason. And what's holding me back is I never it to I want to I don't want to just do it because I want to follow along. That's what I don't want to do, Jason. To be truly honest with you, because I've thought about it a lot, but I don't want to do it. Like I actually wanted a reason that made mm -hmm. sense. And Sarah just actually gave me a great reason um, to do it. You know, so that's actually what I wanted. I didn't. So I didn't want to just do it because everyone else was doing it. That felt weird uh, to me. But I felt like, it, wow, I really need to understand and to understand how it makes someone else feel. Mm. Now. Yeah. By not so, having them really it get gives me validation as to why I would. Some someone also asked in the chat, like, is it kind of a way of waving like a bat? Is it like a bat signal a little bit that like you're a safe space to talk about these issues if someone maybe is questioning the way that they feel? And for me, I feel that it it is, and you know, I think that it helps people to know, hey, I'm 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 hip to the conversation, and you know, if you want to talk to me about the way that you're feeling, I want you to know that that I'm comfortable navigating that. So if that's a great reason. Great. If you think, hey, it's genuinely helpful. I mean, I have a friend who dialed into a Zoom conference during the pandemic. And on the first day, she was the only person to put the, her pronouns after her Zoom display name. And on the second day, without any announcement from a conference organizer, you know, she saw like 98% of people had added theirs because they looked at it and went, oh, that's smart. Like that helps me. Then I know how to refer to that person. And, and we, you know, they just sort of like sailed on. So I think, you know, it's, it's, there's lots of people do it for different reasons and, and different ways, but I think it's genuinely helpful. Yeah. I can't believe we were, I know, I knew we were going to run out of time. I didn't even get to ask you, Sarah. So we're just going to have to watch you in action about more inclusive language and marketing practices. I know we can watch hi Bob for this <laughs> because you're in the right seat. Uh, to show us how it's done. But amazing, amazing uh, conversation today. And thank you so much for being our guest. Sarah, thank Sarah, you for being we here. see you. We love you. Thank you, team. Really appreciate the invite. Looking forward to our next chat. Thank you for all the questions in the chat today. It was awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Take care. Goodbye.